0: sun boy you'll have to be good to win from there it's fundamentalist in front from vega day to keter Jane. the autumn sun is lifting late fundamentalist in front the autumn sun's really surging the outside yes oh what a super win it's english a half length in front can he do it Chautauqua he's flying yes there's history joining jason and blake now for the campbell's gambles podcast Welcome, guys, to the Campbells Gamble's podcast for episode eleven. Don't know how we've made it this far. I say it every single week, but we're here, season one, <laughs> episode eleven. We're coming to the end of season one. Blake, how are you, mates? Big week. Yeah, all? I'm great, Jason. Very good. Very oh happy after last weekend. It was just premium, premium racing through and through. And now we got Derby Day coming up, so right. it just gets better I, and better for you. Exactly. It, it just gets better and better every week. Like you just I don't know what to write up. When I'm, when I'm doing my Saturday racing package, I'm like, I'm trying to get people online. And I'm like, the biggest day of racing this far. And like, it keeps it keeps producing. This week, <laughs> this week we've got four group ones in Melbourne cover, as well as the Golden Eagle, which is basically the bloody, it's a group on itself, really. Um, oh, yeah, it should be. It should be. So anyway, but before we do that, as you mentioned, last week was an absolute cracking week. We'll go through um, a few of the results. Um, your best bet, halal got up. Once again, very well done, sir. How did, how did you see the run from Mr. Halal and T-Berry? Well, it was, it was. I mean, pretty much, like I said in last week, like it was pretty much guaranteed the riding was on the wall after that, after that run the week before or two weeks before. Um, so, and the horse was meeting, like the horse's uh, kind of closest competitors in the market, it raced already in that run where it just absolutely like shit in. So, um, yeah, I... It was no real surprise to me to see Halau do that. Um, and I, it's, really, it's really satisfying for me to see because I've been a big fan of the horse like pretty much since his debut. So I uh, like to see him putting it together now and putting the wins on the board. Yeah. That Bondi stakes every single year, shithole race. If there's any trainers listening, bloody target your horse for the Bondi stakes. Dead set. Three <laughs> years in a row. Absolute shithole. Like, I know Halau, Halau's good horse and whatnot, group one placed against Captain mm. Over the Mile, but you know, far out was a long tail in that race. Like, I'm pretty sure a horse mm. that hadn't even won a race came second or third, or just a midweek race. So, you know, it's big money that race. So, if, if any of the trainers are listening to our podcast, I don't think they will be, but you know, target your horse <laughs> in that race because there's only like buddy eight horses that always go there. Anyway, um, yeah, my trial files went down. Uh, it's unfortunate. I think we were, um nine from 10 heading into last week. So now we're nine from 11, which is, you know, still a pretty decent record, uh, mm. if I say so myself. So very um, good. <laughs> very good record. Very good. We're still well into the positive. But we'll bounce back this week. We've got a nice trial file from Goulburn. Anyway, I want to speak about the Group 1 Cox Plate, the greatest weight for age race in Australia, over 2,000 metres. Protest talk, Blake, how did you see the protest from your eyes? Well, <laughs> we could we could probably talk about this uh this race for a, a few couple of hours jason i reckon but um yeah it was it, there was a lot of drama out of it obviously with the uh with the bump down the straight um it's like i was saying to you earlier it's i mean the decision is the decision um you know the decisions being made obviously no one listening can change that and you know we can't change that so you have to kind of live with it it was a massive massive bump um Like it was a massive kind of interference, but like I was saying to you earlier, Jason, the the kind of crucial point I think is, especially with decisions in such a big race like this is it's much more controversial and difficult to give the win to a horse who came second than it is to just stay with the result as it was. Um, and so although there was like quite, quite a significant uh, kind of scuffle down the straight between the two horses, um, just because it wasn't blatantly obvious that Animo was in front i don't either, i don't think Animo sort of clearly got in front at any point either, and so I think that was just um uh, kind of like the crucial point that I took out of it um, I know you'd be a bit stiff jace because you you <laughs> you were yeah. on animo yeah, no, before the race, I thought Animo was a great hope in winning the race. Um, and when Zaki got scratched, he just uh, I'd loaded up a little bit heavier than what I had previous to that. <laughs> but um, uh, I'm not I'm not a biased person. I I, you can't as a form student, you can't be biased and you just gotta go by the facts and, and what you see, I guess. Um, and I did have money on him, but I won't be biased. When I first watched it live, I didn't think there was, I thought like ten percent chance to um, um, up, upheld uphold the decision. But then the longer it went and the more vision that was available, more camera angles, especially that one behind him, oh, he did shift in. He shifted in big and he did push Animo about three lengths. Uh, not three lengths, about three lanes closer in. And I really wish the stewards mm-hmm. took into fact the deterioration of the track. The inside chopped out by that point. The horse that won the race after came down basically outside rail and was drawn wide, uh, flying mascot yeah. who's this week in the group one. I, I just think that would have played a bit of a thing. And, you know, to be fair, I think if that race was, on a, as, as you were saying, the controversial part, if that race was Wednesday at Canterbury yesterday or something, they probably overturned that decision, you know, probably seven, eight times out of 10, but on, on a big stage, you know, it was a 50-50 call. Um, that, that's, that's racing, I guess. Um, I, can't yeah. be too, I can't be too dirty with the decision because Animo was still there. And if he was good enough, he still would have won the race. Although I do believe if he didn't get that interference, he probably would have won the race too. So 50-51, you know, I've done my money, but so be it. Anyway, we've got a massive show this week. So let's head straight into it. We've got five races okay. to cover. Uh, the first race that we'll be covering is at Rose Hill. And for the track conditions, weather and bias from myself, weather on Saturday, set to be 20 degrees and fine. The rail's in the true position. Uh, tomorrow, oh, we are filming this on a Thursday. So Friday, it's going to be 35 degrees. So. They've got to put, they bloody better put the irrigation on the track because it will be a bloody firm one if they don't do so. <laughs> um, the track's currently a good four, however, could easily against a good three range by um, race day. How do you see the track playing, Blake? Uh, we haven't had Rose Hill for a while. Um, and we all know that Rose Hill likes to favour the horses towards the front more so than Randwick and most other tracks. So that's what I'm expecting yeah, I think I think Rose, it's always scary when Rose who hasn't raced for a while because it does tend <laughs> to be an up and in bias where you want horses that can settle on rails or you know leading obviously or outside the leader. Yeah. Um, oh, I just can't see them making the same mistake because they made that oh, I don't know if it's a mistake I'm not sure. I'm not a, I can't really speak I'm not, I'm not a bloody a track um, analyst whatever you want to call it but um, yeah, that, that Golden Rose Day was terrible. Very bad leader bias, very bad rail bias in the Congo one. Even Animo couldn't even win from the back in that race. And I keep, I've said it like four or five times in this podcast week after week. I've been using that as a form reference from horses that were wired on that day at Rose Hill when they made ground. I just hope it doesn't play out like that again this week. Um, but, you know, history says it probably will. Regardless, let's not spend too much time worrying about the track because we've got the Group 1 Golden Eagle over the 1500 metres. I love this race. I think... Well, it's one of the richest races on turf currently, $7.5 million. I think it's four million dollars to the winner, which is ridiculous money. And no surprises that there's three international runners coming here for their first start. This is the third edition of that race. Previous winners were Colding in 2019 and Colette in 2020. The two rack yep. winner, I'm oh. thunderstruck. Sorry? I was gonna say that that win from Colding just gives me goosebumps thinking yes. about it. It was one of my favorite on. wins ever. We're both on. We're both on big time. Yeah, I don't want to talk about last. Year. I got Ice by last year, like thirty to one. I, that was like a six. Uh, it was like a six and a half grand payout pending. Don't want to talk stupid. about it. Started like dollars <laughs> or something. Anyway, my baby girl Colette won. I saved on Colette, so I wasn't too disappointed. But I think it's a race where we've had a bit of fortune in, in recent years. But um, anyway, the two-rack winner, I'm Thunderstruck, comes down from or comes up from Victoria. He's the current four-dollar favorite in that in this field. Are you with him, Blake, or are you looking to play around him? I'm not with him, um, just because I don't like the fact that now he's meeting every other runner with with well, he's got like top weight, I guess. He's pretty much same weight as every other horse because it's set weights. But yeah, he he uh, he was really really well in last time, and although like you know he he did what he had to to win, uh, I think it was very very fortunate that he drew four, got that inside run, and. Sort of everything kind of panned out. Like the ride was unbelievable at Caulfield as well. From Eleven July. out of ten. Eleven out of ten. Um, so it, it, there's just a lot more risk. I, I see um, this weekend. He's got barrier ten, obviously, um, and he's got the bigger weight. So you know, I think he is still one of the one of the top chances. in The market market says that, but uh, I'm not. I'm not going to be with him this weekend. All right. Um, I can't be against him. I'm not on him personally. I think the golden Eagle, I love these races, Blake, because personally, obviously we're both, I'm 20 years old and I think you're 21. These are races where we've got to see basically what you need. And I think with these big races, a very important thing is identifying lead up races or at least scenarios that come off time and time again with all the big races it happens all the time. There's a certain form line or a certain lead up race. You want to be in to, to win the big race. And the good thing for us is we've experienced, you know, the first two editions. So I personally think I know exactly what you need to win this race. And that is, it might sound really, really stupid, but race fitness, race fitness has proven to be a massive factor. And not just that you need a strong mile horse. I know it's a 1500 meter race, but Colden in 2019 came through the Epsom over a mile. He won the Epsom with 15 and a half kilos on his back. He went up to 57 and a half kilos. He went up seven kilos and won this race with his leg in the air. Really? he was very unlucky not to win by further. Um, He was held Mm -hmm. up and he got out late and bursted to the line. Colette, she came fifth in the Epsom or sixth in the Epsom in 2020 with a low weight. She rose to, she rose five or six kilos and ran well ice and was a mile race. Ice bath came second um, in that um, uh, golden Eagle last year. She actually won a mile race the week before. So she had that race fitness. I think it's crucial. I think these horses at 1,400 meters that are coming through the Silver Eagle, I think the Silver Eagle is the wrong lead-up race. I think it has been the whole time. Not many horses have run well in the Silver Eagle, in the Golden Eagle. I just think you need, you need to be 1,600 back to 1,500. I think that's a massive key in this race. And for that reason, I'm going against the Rose Hill Bias. I'm with Private Eye. I thought he's run, obviously, in the Epsom, was the most eye-catching. He did win the race, obviously, came from the back. Um, on that day, he was allocated 51 kilos. However, Regan Bayless couldn't get down to that. So he rode at 52 and a half kilos. So he only rises five kilos, whereas Coldy in a previous winner rose seven kilos to win this race. And Colette obviously rose five kilos to win this race last year. Um, I think obviously Barrier 17, it's not it's not a huge concern at Randwick, at Rose Hill, obviously more of a concern. He's got to get back anyway. So, you know, even if you drew like Barrier two or three, he'd probably get it's probably better drawn barrier 17. This is going to be a high pressure race. It's, it's a $7 million race. It's going to be high pressure. You've got horses such as Apache Chase, Ellsberg, Vangelic, um, even the international runner, Law of Indices. I watched the international replay. He uh, replays, he's got to push forward. And it wouldn't surprise me if horses like Maximo, um, the Great Britain imports. I think he's like a third to Frankel or a third brother or some bullshit. I can't remember, but um, it won't surprise okay. me if those two push forward because they're drawn wide and the only way they've got to win this race is if they push forward and slot in somewhere. So I think it's going to be a high-pressure race. I think you want to be on the, I think Private Eye is the best horse in this race and I think he's the strongest of the miles. He's had two goes in a mile for two dashing wins and he's the horse I am with. I think under Nash, hard riding from Mr. Rawiller, He can be very hard to beat. Albeit the bias on the day has to be, the track has to play fair for him to win. Blake, what about you? Yeah, Nash for cash, baby, all the way. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I, I, I like that. And, and I did have a, a good look at Private Eye. Um, the one thing that put me off, like you said, was just the barrier. Um, I just, can't. as much as I wanted to be with him, I just couldn't possibly force myself to, to go against um, my gut, which tells me that Rose Hill is just not going to allow a horse from Barrier 17 to win. Um, I, I, I remember Colette did it from sort of back in the field wide but the track was destroyed that day um and and the one the race that colding the time colding won it he was like behind the leader and just looking for a run and as soon as he got it he shot the gap and won easily um so if i had to lean one way out of those two races i'd say that the track and sort of the uh winner will look a little bit similar to colding uh compared to colette just purely based on how I think the track's going to play and how, well, how they, what the conditions are going to be like. So um, yeah, with that in mind, I I looked towards, well, first of all, I looked towards horses at odds because this race is like the most open you're going to get. Um, and holding was, was a decent price when he won it. And uh, uh, Colette was Tense. a decent price as well. Yeah. Um, I think, I think that's a crucial kind of point here. And that's why uh, I went against on Thunderstruck and even privatized well there. Although I do agree privatized the best horse coming into the race. Yeah. There's a few things against him and at $7, I couldn't have him. Um, I think Ellsberg out of the ones that are kind of short is easily the one that stands out to me as, as kind of the best setup in the race. He's got barrier one and I do agree an extent with you jason on what you said about the uh the trip and needing that sort of distance the thing with ellsberg for me is the record that ellsberg's got having two runs over the 1500 meters uh at rose hill for a win and a second placing um that that for me is a great indication that although ellsberg's coming from the 13 up to the 15 he's going to get a very soft run with barrier one and and he's done it before at 1500 so i uh, I'm I'm happy to go with Ellsberg as my sort of main hope, um, and then like I said, I was looking for a bit of value, so I was also looking at a tissue, um, and I was I was kicking up for him a little bit uh, in the Epsom, and he was uh, she sorry, and she wasn't too bad. Uh, she she only finished 1.7 lengths off them, and she just tied a little bit towards the end there. Um, but the the crucial thing that I had noticed with the tissue is that she's won over the 2000 meters. So although it looked over the mile, like, she wouldn't run it out or she wasn't going to, you know, she she won't be able to run the 1500 because, you know, it's a step up still from the 14 it was, that it she that. Was right it was just, sorry for cutting in, it was just race shape. They ran really fast. And as as we yeah. we did watch the Epsom, Dalasan was midfield. Private Eye was last and Aramea was, you know, back near the rear. So the three horses that finished in the top three were obviously midfield and worse. And Atisha was on the speed. And of the on speed runners, I thought she was one of the better ones, to be honest with you. And if she didn't draw so badly, I'd I'd have a nibble too. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, yeah, that that's exactly right. So um, although she yeah, although she is drawn wide, um, my hope is that she'll you know at least get into the front half of the field and be one of those horses that you know is thereabouts. And and like I said, she's she's won over the two thousand. So um, yeah, that. $23, I'm um, I'm happy to have something on her. And then the other one I was interested in is Love Tap, who just seems to be the horse that finds a way to win when no one expects him to. Um, and especially when he gets that sort of run that he's got that he's gonna get uh, on the weekend from barrier three. Um, he's it's yeah, it's a really, really nice setup for him. Just it's very similar to Ellsberg. He'll um he'll be right in there, sort of second, third back maybe on the rail or, or just one off it. And if he gets that gap, it'll be very colding-like if he ends up winning. Um, so at like $35, I think that's a ridiculous price for a horse that's going to get that kind of run and just need, need a bit of luck maybe in the straight. Um, but, yeah, those those are the, the ones that I was mainly looking at. Beautiful. All right, that's our thoughts on the Golden Eagle. Best of luck, punters. On that race. We're gonna to head to the JC trial files now. I want to get through this one really quickly. Uh looking to get back on in the winner's circle this week. So we are going to head to Goulburn on Sunday. Uh race four, number four, Kakaro um, from the John O'Shea stable. I actually uh he trialed well in preparation um for his debut run. I actually did tip him on debut. It was a bit of a pilot error from myself. I I should have done the speed map a little bit harder. I tipped against a horse that was rock hard fit. Blinkers on first time, That was got to sit forward. Whereas he was always going to get back to last from the barrier and had, and had to be really good to win. But I just thought he would be really good. And, you know, looking back in hindsight, it was probably a bit of a dumb tip for myself. Regardless, he gets his chance to break through here. Second race start up to a mile. Um, Dolben, very spacious track, should get his chance. Drawn barrier three, can park much closer. Uh, the market's just opened up. They haven't missed him. I think he opened up dollar $1.90. Maybe, ra- maybe wait till race day. There might be a few people that take him on. Um, there might be a few scratchings. I don't think you've got to get any shorter than $1.90, if I'm being honest with you. You might get even money come race day. So once again, Golden race for number four, Kokoro on Sunday. Blake, Hong Kong, take it away. Thanks, Chase. Um, so yesterday or last night, we had uh, the all-weather meeting at Tin. So Sunday, we're going to Happy Valley for a weekend meeting at the Valley, which um, is very, very rare. But um, just looking at the, the markets early, well, the, the fields early, there's no markets obviously yet. Um, Keep You Warm was one that stood out to me in race nine, uh, number four. He found really, really strong. He found really, really good form late last season. He placed third in three consecutive races and then absolutely bolted in in his last run, uh, dropping down to the 1,000 meters at Happy Valley at the end of last season he won by over three lengths um and he was he was like wide the whole way as well so uh on that run i think this is a a very winnable race there's it's probably an easier lineup than he faced uh at the end of last season he stays in the same class just goes up a bit in weight zach purden's aboard zach purden's heavily heavily in form at the moment in hong kong he's you can you could ride a rocking horse to win honestly Um, And the horse has trialed well leading up to this season. So I'm keen on keeping warm in race nine. Beautiful. That's our, uh, I guess, little thoughts for Sunday. Let's head back to Saturday. We've got to go to Flemington now. We've got four races to cover. So we've got to speed through the track conditions. Weather on Saturday, it's got to be 17 degrees and cloudy. Rail is in the true position. A touch of rain around today and tomorrow. However, probably not enough to affect the track. It's currently a good four. I think worst-case scenario is soft five. Any obvious track bias that you're expecting, Blake, or just typical Flemington? Hopefully, yeah, just typical Flemington. Oh, um, these big meetings, them. they usually get it right. So, uh, yeah, I expect every horse to get the chance. Yeah. Oh, Flemington is probably the fairest track to bet on in Australia. I love it. Um, let's head to the first race. We're going to be covering four Group 1s. Race 5, it's the Tab Empire Rose Stakes over the mile. For the fillies and mares, I don't think there's any fillies in this race, but for the mares, we got, we got, uh, what is it? 15 mares lining up. It's a star-studded field of mares. And I think it's, I honestly think, I know I said it in, this little, in our little script, I think this race is better than last week's uh, invitation in Sydney. I think you got horses such as Mystic Journey and Tafane and Sierra Sue. You know, the list is very, very deep. Tafane is the current favourite. Um, who are you with, Blake, in this race? Run us through a couple that can run well. Okay, well, um, looking at this race, I initially was sort of very focused on the top two in the market. I think Tafane's run uh, last time behind on Thunderstruck was sublime, really stepping up to the 1,600 metres. Craig Williams aboard. She sort of got everything her way from the low draw, but she's got another low draw, so it looks like it's going to pan out similarly. Um, I ended up not sort of going with Tefane or Mystic Journey who who ran really well as well and I think is going really well this prep. Um, I'm heavily in Colette's favor uh for this race, interestingly enough. Mm-hmm. Um, now I the track conditions will be interesting because I'm she's obviously runs really well when the when the track's a little bit softer. Um, but I, I personally think that she is good enough to win even if the track is a good four against these horses and she sets up uh like like she will uh get the opportunity to do that from from barrier eight she's gonna sort of get that clear air when she needs it down the straight um and the thing that i liked about her is stepping up to the to the mile again uh, will be ideal and she like she's won over 2400 meters so there's going to be no queries about her finding a line um, that was just one thing that i really liked um, and the other, the other thing that sort of stood out to me that uh, that put me in Colette's favour a bit was the fact that I think of the, of the last sort of four years of this race, every winner has been sort of a raider coming from either New Zealand or Sydney. Um, there hasn't been too much Melbourne form uh, coming into the race that's won it. And I know obviously Colette's had a few runs here in Melbourne, but she is uh, sort of been more based in, in Sydney prior to that. So uh, that was just the thing that sort of tipped me a little bit in Colette's favor, and I, and I don't mind the each way price. Uh, Damien Oliver report is, is perfect for me. So I was mainly with Colette, and then the two others just quickly that I, I wanted to have a little bit of a spec on were Hungry Heart, who I think has just been completely forgotten in the in the market. Uh, she's going to get conditions completely to suit. She needs a 100% dry deck, and she'll get that. She's drawn wide, and, and she'll stay all day as well, just like Colette. So she'll be another one running on from wide, uh, and also Kiku who uh, ran really, really well behind Mirror Vision, Mirror Vision in Sydney, uh, was held up and, and I honestly think could have won the race if, if she got a little bit more room at a certain stage. And and Brett Preble aboard was a really, really uh, big positive for me. And, I mean, she's she was 40 bucks before. She's now 35 Um, Having Brett Preble aboard a $35 horse alone, I don't care what horse it is, is <laughs> an instant... <laughs> it's an instant play for me, the way he's going. But, um, yeah, I, th- I thought Kiku could definitely uh, give this race a little bit of a shake as well. So those were the three that I was, was looking at playing. Uh, which way are you looking, Jason? I'm going to stick with a class in this race. Um, I'm going against my previous self. I'm, I'm the future Jason here speaking. Been against a fine eight a mile. I just don't think miles, her. I just didn't think she could run the trip. But you know what? She's proven me wrong in two runs this preparation um obviously fourth to incentivize race really well now Uh, and that was at group one level um against the boys obviously she did beat colette home that day albeit it was a bit of a slow tempo and colette was absolutely thundering home late um i thought her run last time in the two rack was better than i'm thunderstruck and you know i'm saying that um in the least biased way possible because you know i'm thunderstruck as my bet of the day and i declared him like a bloody you know on the sunday night before the race so uh, 58 kilos, like I think I was saying into that two-rack, I gave her absolutely no chance because no mare, like I think it was like three of the last 20 winners in that two-rack were mares, and no mares one of that weight. So for her to run half a length towards I'm Thunderstruck, who's favorite in the Golden Eagle, carrying six kilos less, if you're just on weights and measures, she, she probably beats him by a length and a half if they're at um, set weights. Um, I generally like to think about two and a half to three kilos equals a length from what I go off. But um, yeah, I think she's absolutely flying. I think from barrier two, as Blake said, she's got to get a soft run once again. So if there is any query at the mile, she probably should be able to get it considering she can sit behind horses here. Don't think there's a load of speed in this race. Um, And I feel like if she can get that suck run and come out with 300 to go and get that perfect split, she's going to be very hard to beat. Um, She was the only one I was going to play. However, looking into Colette's form, she she ties closely in with Tafane. And as Blake said, I think it's a, it's a very deep race and I just want to sort of spread my losses actually thinking about it. The more, the more I think about it, you know, you can make a a case for a majority of these horses as these mares races generally are. So I think Tafani will be the one to beat. I think Blake knows that himself, but just probably wants to take it on at the price and Colette can run a big race. Um, And I'm not too worried about the firm track. Obviously, you know, everyone knows she, she's an absolute mudlark, but those, those runs that she ran on the good tracks coming into that wet track one were last 200 meters were well off the charts. So it's not like she can't run the wet track. She's just a bit yeah. Um. and back to Mare's company like they're, they're against the boys. Now she's against the Mare's. She's better than these Mare's. I think Hungry Heart, I'm going to be against Hungry Heart. I know it's 16 and 1. So I'm not really saying anything new but she's looking for 2,000 uh, 2, meters now, surely. I just, I just can't believe there has to be a race that he's targeted over 2,000 meters coming up. But anyway, that, that's just me. Chris Waller's up to his old tricks, but if, if she wins, we will be very surprised, so I'm happy to take her on personally. Anyway, we'll move on to the next race, race six, the Victoria Derby, over the 2,500 metres, group one level. Uh, stain race for the boys. Forgot you and Gunstock head the market. Are you with either of them, or are you with something at odds? Um, I'm very uh, looking very closely to the horses at the top of the market in this race, and I think generally that's been the case for the winners, uh, previously it's, I mean, obviously you had Johnny get angry last year, who was an absolute outsider, but that's, that's sort of, that's a, that's a result that gets thrown up in any race, sort of when you least expect it once in a million years, you know, Um, that's not something that you need to be factoring into, uh, the way that I was sort of, you know, the, the lead up, uh, the typical lead up form or the way that races are typically, uh, led up to. Um, but yeah gunstock for me sets up as the horse to beat clearly clearly here um the way that the way that he's come into the race, he's come in into the race uh through probably the two best uh best lead up races uh sort of looking to previous winners and previous horses who have run well well in this race and he, and it, the way that he finished off last time over 2000 meters says to me that he's easily going to get the 2500 um obviously the wide draw is a concern but at the same time running 2,500 metres, he's, you know, he's he's inevitably going to find a spot somewhere, um, you know, whether he is three wide or not, or how far back he is, you know, might have some effect, but um, I think it's better than him drawing sort of inside five because at least, you know, he's going to get out um, and he's going to have that clear air and he'll get his chance because I think he will, like I said, easily hit the 2,500. Um, and so Gunstock was the main one I was looking at. Uh, for me. I think Forgot You as well, I really like the horse. Obviously, I've I've said before I'm a huge, huge fan of of this horse and love the way he looks. Um, love the way he's been running. The problem I had for this was just having that... Well, he's had a few gut busters now, and this will be his sixth run for the prep. Um, and last time he was over the 2,000 metres at the valley, but before that he's only been at the mile. So for a three-year-old going from Mile races up to two thousand meters, now up to twenty five hundred meters, and having a six start in his prep, that's a big ask for me for a three year old, um, and so that's the reason I haven't had him in the play. And although I still think he is sort of one of the main hopes, and he probably will still run well, um, I was more looking at uh, Tudu Kaka who announced himself prominently last uh, last time in the at Geelong, winning over the twenty two hundred meters. Um, the way that he finished off that race, I messaged you straight up straight after that, Jason saying, you know, I was very, very keen on him here and I already took um, bigger odds than he is now. But J-Mac getting on is, is a really good sign for me. And I I think he's, we saw him ridden cold last time. And obviously from this draw, he's going to be ridden similarly. Um, I think similarly to Gunstock, he's, he's runs like he's easily going to get the, uh, the 2,500 metres and he's by the same side as Tavistock. Uh, so sort of everything points to that happening. The third horse for me is, uh, is Allegron who's coming up from Sydney, uh, coming down from Sydney, uh, Brett Prebles aboard. And I really like the way uh, Allegro finished off uh, behind Profondo, had to do a bit of work coming around them. And um, yeah, it shows me that he's going to get the trip as well, the 2,500 metres. So those are the three sort of towards the top of the market that I'm looking at. Uh, are you looking at similar horses, Jason, or completely oh, different? When I got that message about 2-2 two, two car, car, I was rolling my eyes because I was on the second horse. So... um <laughs> <laughs> I was saying, well done, Blake. Inside, I was saying, piss off dog. dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, anyway, um, oh, this is a really tough race. Uh, not a race I'm going to bet in. Definitely not. I'll enjoy it, obviously. But um, yeah, I, I was trying to find like a weak form line where a race was run slowly and they sprinted home and the horse wouldn't be fit enough for 2,500 metres. But literally every single lead-up race, they kind of went really hard early. And every horse, you know, oh, I think I think the main lead-up race will have to be over the last five to 10 years, it's it's definitely been that Mooney Valley race last week, the golf Bays, whatever they call it, the group two phase. Um, and because, uh, what's the name? Johnny, Johnny Get Angry came through that race last year and another, I think it was Extra Brute the year before or two years ago or three years ago, whatever, came through that race. And also that uh, race, that Gunstock won, the, the group three at Caulfield. Caulfield Classic over 2,000 meters. They're the two main form races for this race. And for that, I'm just going to go play really simple really i'm just going to play the, the two winners out of those races i was with gunstock in that Corfield classic He was all over a winner um, from the 800 meters all he had to do was get out he got through his gears very nicely extended late that's what you like to see out of as a bill Mare, tavistock obviously he's got to stay all day i think barriers at this distance are pretty devoid really as blake said they all find the positions eventually um and yeah barrier 19 isn't the worst He's not, not going to kill him plus there's four emergencies he will get into barrier 15 by race day um, and I think Forgot you, I do agree that he's deep into his preparation, but I don't think that's a bad thing. He has race fitness on his side. Quick backup, I like. He's a horse that, if Fleming, if he doesn't suit Flemington on that, I've got no idea what track he'll suit because in all three wins at Mooney Valley, he's looked gone at the turn, but he's just dug deep and won. He's definitely, if he doesn't run the trip, I'd be very surprised because he, he strikes me as a horse that will just stay all day and he just fights like an absolute bulldog. Just a great horse to have your money on, really, because you just know exactly what you've got to get out of him. um I think of, I think Allegro, I was with Allegro in that spring champion. I was on him, I think he was at 50 each way. Um, yeah, he's Mother aliguria She went up to 26. I think she came second over 2,600 meters down at Flemington. I forgot what race it was, but she, she was a great staying man. He'll definitely on the trip too. So I think they're the three you can look at. Of the rest, obviously, one of the rough ones could pop up. I think high Tutsu at that price is ridiculous coming from the Guinea, 1600 up to 2500 that's just the most ridiculous price i've seen in my life and i don't know how they're backing him. um if he wins i have egg all over my face but if he six dollars he should be 60 to one so you've heard it here you've heard it here first you just can't go up 900 meters and trip and win races it just doesn't work like that unfortunately in my opinion regardless is that it for that race blake yeah yeah definitely oh, hit all the gone. nails on the head there i reckon Beautiful nails hit on the head. Let's move on to the race. Race seven, group one, Cornwall stud stakes over the 1,200 meters, down the Flemington straight. Uh, Extreme Warrior and in the Congo head the betting. They're around four dollars each of two. Whose corner are you in in the race in general? Yes, not either. Hallel. Right? Oh, <laughs> oh, I love him. I absolutely love him. No, he he was uh he was a best bet for me. What was it, two weeks ago now at Ram week? Um, and there was talks of uh, Godolphin potentially putting him into the Everest uh, with their slot, and they ended up going with trekking. Trekking did nothing, but um, just the fact that they were considering Pillel back when I tipped him as the best bet was part of the reason why I did tip him as, as my best bet. And, um, and I think in this race, he, you know, can continue to just uh, sort of show that he is one of the more kind of dominant uh, three-year-olds. I think um, I like the fact that this is over 1,200 metres and a lot of the other horses in the race uh, have sort of been stepped up to the 14, 16 and now are coming back, whereas they've just kept Pilel racing over the short, shorter trips, sprint sprint distance trips. Um, so I, I think that's something that uh, that he does have in his favour. And I like the fact that he, I think... I could be wrong, but we'll we'll definitely find out on Saturday. I think he is a very push-button horse. And I think that we will see that out of him uh, down the straight, which for me personally, I've spent so much time trying to figure out what makes horses run well and not run well down the straight because it's the most ridiculous thing to try and figure out. And the only thing that I've ever considered that seemed to work was having a push-button horse who can settle well, but then explode as soon as the jockey asked it to. Um, And we've seen horses do that before uh, in races like this. September Run is one of them. And um, we've seen, well, Brooklyn Hustle actually ran really, really well down the straight one time where she was held up. (laughs) Moral beaten again. Yeah. Yeah. But we, we we won't spend too much time talking about that. But yeah, I, I think Pilel and the other one um, for me is Artorias who, like I said, uh, I like Pilel because some of the horses like Artorias are coming back in trip now. Uh, But I think it will play a little bit in Artorias' favor. I think he is more of a a sprinting type. And we saw over the 1600 meters at Caulfield, he, he hunted up kind of the inside and he didn't really run. He didn't really run the race like it was a mile. It was more of a kind of, sprint right at the end where he sort of shot shot through the inside and came out late and ran third to Animo, which like, look at that form now. Um, And yeah, so I think, I think Artorias is another one of those push button type horses. Um, Obviously, you know, there's always a query as to which horse is going to handle the straight and whatnot, but those are, those are my guesses based on uh, their, their racing patterns. But um, yeah, this is probably one of my least favorite um, trips or tracks to, a play in the 1200 meters at Flemington because it's just so tough especially when you don't have horses who have tried it before so um which way which way are you looking Jason I love this race this is this is is one of my favorite races of the entire year to be honest with you I've only been in in horse racing form for not too long obviously as everyone knows but uh, I remember two years ago I backed exceedance in this race won very nicely and last year I think everyone was on September 1 so uh, I'm, I'm undefeated in this race. I'm going to make a three from three with the Godolphin dolphin brutes. Pulele. I think the main thing of straight track racing uh, and with any racing, really a horse of turn of foot and a, a turn of speed that Pulele has just very, very hard to beat. And with the straight track racing, they generally like to bunch up from the 600 meters and they all make their runs down the outside, inside, wherever. And it's those horses that can really accelerate off a dime like Pulele has done in his wins to date um they're very very hard to beat especially over the concluding stages um i love i love 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 what godolphin have done he was favouring the Manicado. i did not want to see him in that race whatsoever just based on the point uh the the thing that all of his wins have been at randwick a massive big track and i know he won uh, sorry no he won at Mooney valley on debut however you know you got to take your form as it goes you want a two-year-old handicap you know like who the hell was he versing who the hell knows i'm not going to go back to that but um, I'm so glad they went to this race because as soon as he won that Roman console and won it very nicely, James Cummings didn't even say anything about the Everest. I know they were talking about it, but trekking was already locked in the Everest. They just never made it official really. And he always said, play is going down and a race like the Cornwall would be the perfect race because a lot of horses from Sydney have gone down there and been very, very competitive. And it doesn't surprise me because obviously a lot of the horses in the market are from Sydney. Um, I think he's the one to beat. He's the only one I'm having money on in this in this race. Obviously, the other Godolphin, um, Kalos, has been very impressive um, in two runs this preparation. I found him from the trials of Hawkesbury. Didn't back him first up too short. Didn't back him with Flemington too long. Um, <laughs> the, life, the life of a punter. Um, regardless, I think, yeah, I think he'll be extremely hard to beat. Artorius, he probably... He does profile as a horse that will probably enjoy straight track racing just because you can get back. But I I just think 1,600 metres back to 1,200 metres is just a bit of a – it's not an afterthought because they always plan this race for him as soon as he came um, third in that guineas. But, yeah, I'm just not sure. I just see Pulele sitting about three or four lengths in front of him, and I just don't think he can run the sectionals required to beat Pulele, especially if he just sprints, as Blake said, push-button horse. Uh, Extreme Warrior, a bit short in the market. I know he's been very devastating two wins to date this preparation, but yeah, like I don't think Profiteer's been going too well personally coming back. I thought he was pretty average in that first race. I forgot what race it was, but Mooney Valley looked an absolute, in my opinion, a, a very hard horse to beat. But uh yeah, don't think Extreme Warrior deserves to be favorite. In the Congo, I don't think he'll handle straight track. I don't in the Congo's greatest strength, in my opinion, uh he'll handle the straight track. I just don't think it's his best trip. I think In the Congo, in my opinion, his best trait is getting to the front, kicking around the bend and being very hard to run down. And that's what he's done. That's what he's done. But to be fair, Pulele Pulele ties in very close within the Congo and you're getting almost double the price. So I think it's a bit silly. Um, That's about it from me. We'll move on to the last race. We're covering the mile handicap, the Kennedy Kentaler. Over the 1600 meters, race eight at Flemington. We currently have Mr. Brightside is looking to make it seven in a row as the four-dollar favorite. Uh, can he win this race, Blake? And if not, why not? Personally, I'd be very, very surprised to see Mr. Brightside win this race. Um, that's that's my that's just my opinion. But yeah, I, the fact that he's just coming through really not strong form at all um, just has me wondering. It just has me wondering. I, 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 there were a few things that I did have in his favour. Obviously, he's going to you know sit handy and he's drawn relatively well. Obviously, you know he's done everything that's been asked of him in his last however many starts. He's won what sticks in a row, so um, you can't ask a horse to do more than win. <laughs> but um, yeah, just purely based lose, on the... lose, gone. <laughs> exactly, yeah, no, but just based on the strength of the form that he's coming out of and um. Some of the horses that he's coming up against now. Um, I yeah, I couldn't get in that short, and I I'd probably be surprised to see him win, honestly. Like the look at the top two in the market. You have Arameo at $8.50, who ran second by an absolute nostril to private eye last time. Don't the talk about it. Meters. Stop talking about it. has only got an, a kilo and a half more than Mr. Brightside, who's coming out of a race at Ballarat. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah, it seems really, really stupid to me. He's, he's doubled the price. Arameo to me is is a far better bet than than Mr. Brightside is here. Um, so so Arameo is the the main one that I'm looking at. And like I said, he he's been flying. He was a he was a big, really big price. What three starts ago? He's forty one dollars when he ran second to Zaki, and he's he's shown that that was no fluke. He ran third again by one one and a half lengths to a tissue, and then he ran super super well. And he has some like I said. Um, so he deserves to be very well in the market, and I honestly still think he's overs. Like he should be shorter on what he's done in those three runs. Uh, now with with the draw that he's got, gate three, he will sit very, very handy compared to um, compared to where he's been ending up uh, in his other runs. Even from barrier five last time in the Epsom, he was he was sort of bustled out a bit, um, but he he definitely could have held his position a little bit better. I felt, um, and I think from. Barrier three. This time they'll they'll be a little bit have show a little bit more intent in keeping a spot. Um, not that he was too far back last time anyway, but um yeah. So so Arame is the main one for me, but I think there are a lot of talented horses away from Mister Brightside in this race. Um, Superstorm has been running really really well. He ran a, a scream was screaming home behind on um Thunderstruck and Tefane last time. Um, which which I thought was a really nice run. We obviously have, have Ice Bath, who's was it was really really good to see Ice. I was telling you this earlier, Jason. It was just so nice to see Ice Bath finally get that win. Good uh, on you. Last time, 1400 meters, and the fact that she did it wide and put in that long sustained run um, gives me a little bit of hope that she might actually get the 1600 meters this time um, from the wide gate. She's got no weight on her. Um, so, so she she looks all right. Um, Cascadian for me. Cascadian is going to be the second horse that I uh, look to play around, apart from Arameo, who I I really honestly think that he can handle the dry tracks. Um, there's been a lot of sort of talk about whether whether he can, whether he can't. I think he can, and I think he also runs better uh, down in Melbourne. So I like the fact that they're coming here, um, and he obviously thrives over the 1,600 metres. So I like J-Mac on uh, coming down to Melbourne in the 1,600 metres. The wide draw is not really a concern for me in these big races. So um, Cascadian and Arameo for me, those top two. And then just a small play on Karma Lass, who just honestly, like, just put them straight to bed over the 1,400 metres, beating Buffalo River last time at Caulfield. Um, And the, the pure arrogance of that win just has me... Um, cautious as to how much Carmelas can improve now coming up to the, the mile, uh, especially with Barrier 1 and only 52 kilos. I think she's sort of the, uh, the smoky, if you like, at, at those big odds. You know, She could get the run of the race, and if she gets the gap, she might just be the one that uses that, that turn of foot that we saw from her last time to, to run over the top late. So those are the three that I'm focused on. Um, are you in the same camp as me, Jace, against Mr. Brightside? Yes, I am against um, Mr. Brightside. Great song. Great song. Uh, good, <laughs> horse, good horse, too. Good horse, too. Very overplayed. I overplayed at Chief, <laughs> at Chief Wednesdays, especially. What's the closing song? Is that just me? Or like every time I've been there, it's been the last song. Anyway. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think so. Hopefully our 18 to 25 audience from Sydney are loving this uh, take from Sydney. <laughs> Um, I know that I know you're listening, you little anyway. Um, yeah, Mr. Brightside, <laughs> bit, bit too, bit too short in the market for me, Mr. Brightside. Can't have his favourites, and I think he's basically, I think obviously he's When you win races, you you generally uh, a bit a bit of a generalized statement, but the bookies do find you, and you you more often than not start under your probably appreciated price. Whereas horses that haven't won a race for a while generally like to you know probably start a bit over there. You know, true value. Mm-hmm. That might be, you know, obviously not always the case, but he's won six in a row Definitely. now. So to be fair, the book is who else you to have as favorite, you know. But but from a punter's perspective, I'm very happy to take mm-hmm. him on. Um, I'm gonna go back to my old my old friend Arameo. Oh, geez, that, it hurt last time. It hurt. He was all over a winner. He got the gap. <laughs> he got the gap. I was like, oh my god, here's my chance, man. I'm gonna get back on Blake. I'm gonna get back on this. Oh, I'm- <laughs> I think I had, 50, I had like 40 each way or something, or 30 each way at like 15. So like, oh, I got it. But anyway, no, didn't get it. Didn't get it. But he did lose the private eye and I'm tipping private eye on the Golden Eagle. So I think that's the right form line. Uh, yeah, as Blake said, he was only 41 to one in that race against Zaki because it was his first start in Australia coming back from Singapore. So the bookies were probably like, you know, let's see what this bloke does. And his run was absolutely phenomenal. Backed it up again to Bill Ritchie. Backed it up once again, the Epsom. Draws barrier three here. Glenn Boss, Jumps on board. Obviously, Glenn Boss. We all know he's a big race rider. Doesn't hasn't been the best of form recently, but he is a big race rider. Um, only goes up two kilos, which isn't really a massive increase. Um, whereas I'm pretty sure Riadini from the same race goes up three and a half kilos. So meets Riadini one and a half kilos better off at the weights. Riadini was too bad to be true last time. I think he will improve stiffly. Uh, stiffly improve um, strongly. That's the word, not stiffly. What am I thinking? Very bad. Bad <laughs> thoughts. Dirty brain. Um, I think there's a lot of speed in this race. Buffalo River goes forward. Ray Denny goes forward. Mr. Brightside with 52 kilos. His only way to win this race is if he does go forward. I think those three could just really, really take on each other. And I think it will set up for Arameo. Uh, I think probably Superstorm is the other one. Cascading has just let me down too many times. I just don't know what to do with him. It was so. He was, to be fair, he was really good in that Epsom. He was really good. But I'm sticking with Chris Waller. I think Chris Waller can go to back-to-back. He won last year with Yulong Prince and the year before, fierce impact on the race coming from that Epsom. So I think the Epsom's produced the last two winners of the race, maybe three, I haven't gone that far back. But I think the Epsom's the right form race. And I think Aramo, very hard to beat, eight to one. I think Blake and I both agree, very good price and does look overs. All right, that's our races previewed for this Saturday. Huge day of racing. But to head to our competitions now. Our $100 competitions. All three viewers, shocking week, shocking week. All of them bowed out. I forgot who they were, but come on, guys, pick your game up. You can get an opportunity on this show, and you can't even return a profit. Anyway, <laughs> I did, I literally said if you return a profit, even if you don't sit in the top three, I think I might, you know, I might give you a prize regardless because I'm such a very generous person. But anyway, the standings remain the same. Harry sits first with 420. Cody second with 390, and Mitch third with 370. Two new people join us this week. Doug uh, uh, Doug Sullivan. He's got to have $100 on I'm Thunderstruck in the Golden Eagle. Good luck to you, Doug. And give us your tip. Shout out to give us your tip. Go check him out on Instagram. He's going really well at the moment. $50 to win on Tutu Car Cart, $30 to win on Jungle Magnate, and $20 to win on Character in the Derby. So he's trying to, I guess, just return profit. So very smart man. Give us your tip. I really like that, mate. I'm not sure what your name is, but good on you, sir, or female, whatever you are. Um, Anyway, our our group one competitions, I did say, you know know what? I just want to shout out all the people that have believed in me. All the people in the polls, they're voting for me. Um, Like we're 50 50. I was down like two or 300 bucks, but people are still voting for me. So shout out to you, the OGs. They've got some trust. And we're back in the lead, Blake. We're back in the lead. I'm just going to rub it in a little bit. I was down like 700 bucks or 600 bucks. So pretty big effort from myself. Well, no, you've just, you've literally just gone off the boil, really. (laughs) <laughs> i've just stayed consistent i've been like i got back in the green last week as soon as dronker won and then animo would have left me in the green but obviously uh, animo just really hurt. I had a hundred bucks to win it probably like four bucks at the end but anyway i'm minus 177 blake's minus 194 um golden eagle i've got 50 to win uh 50 each way on private Eye. I'm um, having a little bit of a split, my usual. 25 each way on Ellsberg, 15 each way on a tissue, and 10 each way on Love Tap. All right. The Empire Rose. I'm having 50 to win on Safane and 50 to win on Colette. I've got 30 each way on Colette, 10 each way on Hungry Heart, and 10 each way on Kiku. I love, I love the the, the three bet strategy. It's back. You're just making me spend mm-hmm. how much time pulling out the spreadsheets? Fire out, mate. Anyway, the other <laughs> Derby, i got 50 to win on both favorites, Gunstock and Forgot You. I'm, I'm trying to find a winner in this. So I'm having 50 to win on Gunstock. I'm also having 30 to win on 2 2 Kaka and 20 to win on a So if any of those get up, it'll be a big return. Oh, yes. 2 2 50 each way, Pulleli, 20 each round, Pulel, and 30 each round, Artorious. Bulele, Bulele, call him whatever you want when he wins. Kinsala, <laughs> $50, Arameo each way. 20 each way on Arameo. So we're thinking along the same lines there, but 20 each way as well on Cascadian and 10 each way on Carmelas. Joining forces in the Kinsala. I like it. Anyway, let's move on to our best bets this week. Run us with yours, Blake. It's my old girlfriend that I've divorced about 65 times by, by chance. Mm, yeah. I've... I've... I'm I'm telling you, I've felt the pressure the last few days now because I think I'm like eight in a row now. Um, if you had one, if you had one dollar on the on the first uh, of those horses best bets, um, and just rolled it over every time, you'd have about fifteen hundred dollars now. So yes, that's I felt the pressure. I don't know if anyone is doing that. <laughs> you'd be a bit of a degen it, you know? if you were. Jeez. Hey, just rub yourself off while you're at it. You know, just pump your own tires. That's my. Well, oh, you know, you've, you've got to you've got to pump the tires a little bit, you know, here and there, but um. Yeah, no, I'm going with Brooklyn Hustle uh, in race <laughs> for Flemington. Aww. And this this is scary. I'm a little bit scared, but I did have a look at the race and we all know what happened to Brooklyn Hustle last time at Caulfield. Um, and like I mentioned earlier about Brooklyn Hustle, um, she's had, well, if you look at her form on paper, she's had two runs of track and distance for nothing. But that run that I was referring to, Jason, which you would know all about, oh, she awesome. was an absolute good thing beat. Um, so I don't have any queries that she'll handle the straight track. And I honestly think that this is a really, really nice uh, race set up for her. I like the fact that J-Mac's on now. Uh, gate four should have a, you know, nicely sort of in the middle of the pack there. As soon as she gets the gap, pull the trigger, bang, wins by one to two lengths. I'll be happy, man, and keep the best bets rolling. So fingers crossed. Brooklyn Hustle in race four at Flemington yeah brooklyn hustle as i always say you got to dig deeper into the form you don't just look at track distance you know heavy soft look deeper into it she's a perfect example she's had three goes down Flemington straight and in all three goes she should have, she should have won all three really uh, except, <laughs> except the cornwall except the cornwall exceedance one fair and square subscribers were very happy that day um she's my old girlfriend wife divorcee whatever you want to call her brooklyn hustle Fire right. you know what if j-mac can't win on her just buddy Give her to me, send it, give me. I yeah. want to, I want to breed with her. Come on. Oh, not me. <laughs> <laughs> on a, on a, or maybe <laughs> I want to find something for her, but yeah, she, she should have won about, I don't know. She's had 10 starts in group ones for nothing, but she probably should have won all 10. But anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, well, I'm going to a group one champion. I'm going, uh, we've got a Brooklyn hustle and I'm going with Mars Crusader this week is my best bet. You'll see him on Punt Hub. So I'm doing on Punt Hub. I did mention him in, in the show. Um, what was it? Two or three weeks ago, I said, Classic Legend Stakes, My Crusader, six to one, all in, get the hell on. I kind of somewhat declared him then. The race is here. They didn't go down to Melbourne. There was talk he was going to go down to Melbourne. I'm thinking, what are you doing? Go to this <laughs> race. There's been three editions of this race. Actually, no, two editions of this race. In both years, the winner of this race is coming out of the Everest. And I'm pretty sure five of the six place getters have come out of the Everest too. Maybe it's even six of the six. Mars Crusader, I've said it for a couple of, like, um, I guess, runs now. His pep trip would be 1,300 meters. And I'm not worried about him coming off his grand final run because last preparation at 1,400 meters, he ran a blind. I'm pretty sure he came second in that race. I can't remember correctly, but he ran, it was fifth up last preparation. He did, he, he ran a very good race at 1,400 meters, 1,300 meters. He's the best horse in that race. He might miss the kick. Rose to bias is his only concern. However, he's, if anyone can, do that if anyone can turn the tables on a rose bias it is Mars Crusader he's absolutely flying and to be fair was probably very unlucky not to win the Everest so oh, I might take this multi myself if I'm being honest with you it's the two of my all-time favorite horses really anyway yeah. well I've already taken it so well, you're, a, <laughs> you're a sick piece of catch <laughs> <laughs> okay. up catch up <laughs> Uh, you love your back, markers, don't you? you sicko. But anyway. <laughs> oh, I do. I really do. It's dangerous. Oh, All right. Anyway, we've got to wrap things up. CG Saturday Racing Package. We've got five Group 1 previews. There's going to be over 4,000 words written by yours truly, JC. Looking to bounce back after a losing week last week. We only could make it five in a row. Not as good as Mr. Brightside. Couldn't make it six in a row. So shout out to you, Mr. Brightside. But anyway, website, cginsight.com.au. Buy the package. Yep. 6 dollars weekly sub. Anything for the And a quick plug as well to the to the Melbourne Cup coming up oh, as well. Melbourne Cup as well. If I'm gonna pump my own tires, I'm the king of the Melbourne Cup, straight up. I, I, like we've done the pack two <laughs> years in a row. First year we picked the first four. Last year we got the trifecta, quinellas, everything. You know we had people winning like thousands of dollars from very little investment. So get involved with that. Follow our social medias at Campbell's Gamble's on Facebook, Instagram, and I'd say TikTok. But TikTok banned us because they're absolute dogs. So <laughs> they don't like gambling, apparently. So, or whoever, whoever's reporting me, come to my bloody office and we can talk about it. We won't fight. So <laughs> I'm too scared to fight, and I'm, and I'm anorexic, but we can talk about it, like gentlemen. Anyway, um, that's all, Blake. I'm gonna wish you the best of luck, as as well as our viewers. Thank you. Same to you, Same Same to you JC. Best, uh, best few weeks of spring now. Best few wow. weeks of the year for racing. So, grand final, baby. It. Grand final day. Grand final day. Go it while well, it lasts. I'll leave you to it. I've got to run to. Some- Go to the waterfall and do a piss because I'm busting. (laughs) (laughs) All righty. Ta-ta.